Hello, I'm your host, Kevin Selden. Welcome to an honest exploration of parenting from a dad's perspective. And to be clear, this is a podcast for dads and moms. I'm sure there are going to be dads out there who listen and and appreciate the opportunity to hear from a like-minded voice. But I think it's also so important for moms to get a true peek inside a dad's perspective to reveal that none of us are really that different at the edge of the changing table or on the side of the soccer field or at three in the morning with a screaming baby. And it's time we start to acknowledge that. So when coming up with a name for this podcast, I explored many options. My first choice was something I thought I created called Sahad, Stay at Home Dad. I found this to be hilarious. Uh, And then I realized that it kind of sent the wrong message for what I was trying to express. Because it's not sad being a stay-at-home dad. Uh, I also did not realize I did not create this term. This is actually a known term that is used often online. Oh, I also thought of dad pod. Because I thought it was like a play on dad bod. But anyway, that one didn't work either. And then I played around with... Daddy Dearest, or Daddy Daycare, or Mr. Dad. But all three were basically flips on mom references. You know, Mommy Dearest, or Mr. Mom. An amazing film in context of where we were in the world in the 80s. Or Daddy Daycare, which made it feel like it was a special treat that Dad was watching the kids, instead of just a regular Tuesday. Because I feel like dads in today's day and age take on as much responsibility as the moms, or at least are capable of it. And I didn't want to represent a podcast where it felt like the dads were the number two tagging in, because I want this podcast to express how equal two parents can be in the home and how powerful that can be. And then I thought about the first year of my son's life and how isolated I felt as a father. And I don't think I'm alone in this. And so I wanted a title that would help to represent that. And that's how I came upon DILF. As in dad, I'd like to friend. Because I am hopefully a dad that you would one day like to friend. On this amazing and sometimes isolating journey that is parenthood. So there you have it. And this first episode is going to be a bit untraditional, which makes sense because I'm a bit untraditional. I'm probably more vulnerable than your average male. And therefore, I thought it best to give some context into who I am before we dive in to the traditional format. So a little more about your host. Let's start there. I've always felt that I was a bit of an anomaly, an extremely sensitive male, uh, very much in touch with my emotions and very much one who wears his heart on his sleeve uh, without shame. 
that was always something very confusing. I didn't encounter many who who did that, including my own father. I really found it rare to encounter other men who were open with their feelings growing up until I cornered them and forced them to <laughs> express their feelings. And I found that pretty much deep down, everyone I met was the same. It was just how many layers and bruises had been formed to create armor around them that didn't allow them to express their feelings or didn't have the toolkit to be able to express their feelings. I, fortunately or unfortunately, <laughs> was born with a toolkit that made it very uh, easy, possibly too easy, to not only empathize but express my feelings. And this was confusing for me growing up. I was a hopeless romantic. I feel like Meg Ryan screwed me. I mean, those early 90s movies just set something in motion in my mind that made me believe career was okay to be messy. You could get in the dirt. You could make multiple mistakes and uh, a comedy of errors could occur and yet everything would turn out all right in the end as it should. But uh, relationships needed to be perfect. You know, like you're you're with the wrong person and you just get all these signs and then you see the right one and it's just magic. And so whenever a relationship wasn't going perfectly, it meant it was a sign that they were not the one. Now, to be fair, my parents were high school sweethearts and are still together today. So it makes a bit of sense that this began back in my teenage years. But I definitely took relationships way too seriously. And this continued on <laughs> throughout my college experience, which made most of my relationships uh, strained. I think in my 20s, I started to let go a little and have a little more fun, uh, get a little more casual. But still, when the going got tough... I just felt like, well, then obviously this isn't someone that I could start a family with, so why would I want to be with them? And then I met um, the woman who I now call my wife, and she was not this perfect person I always dreamed of because she was better. She was real. She was uh, the perfect mix of Punky Brewster and Brenda Walsh. It was like every one of my childhood crushes mixed into one. And I, I felt this connection with her, and, uh, and we, we fought a lot. But I don't know. It didn't seem to phase me in the beginning because I felt like we learned from every fight. We learned more about each other. We learned how to be better partners. Uh, we were complete opposites, whereas I wear my heart on my sleeve. Her heart is very hidden beneath <laughs> um, a lot of wit and a tough exterior. And I think I saw that as a challenge, but also she had a way of calming me like no one I'd ever met. You know, I know a lot of times people say the women are pushing for marriage or the women are pushing for emotional expression. And in our relationship, the roles were reversed. And that has continued throughout our whole relationship. 
So yada, yada, yada. We get married, another year passes, and we decide it's time to start a family. Well, four plus years later, and we were no closer. Uh, We didn't know what was wrong. It seemed that nothing medically was wrong. Um, We tested me, we tested my wife, and and it was honestly a tough journey, um, tough for our relationship. But when we finally let go and got open to the option of adoption or surrogacy or all the other options available to us in this modern age, we all of a sudden miraculously found ourselves pregnant. Okay, it wasn't that simple. Obviously, there is a long, more complicated story there, which we'll get into at a later date in a future episode. But you would think that we would have both been in complete joy. And we were, of course, excited. But I think we were both in shock. It had just been so long that we had wanted this um, and that we had fought about this and we had fought so hard against all the negativity around us that said it couldn't be done. And when it finally happened... I personally just went completely into prep mode, and I never really took the time to enjoy it. And I basically lost myself because I wanted nothing more than to be a dad for so long, for as long as I could remember. And the fact that it was finally happening, I didn't want anything to go wrong. And it was confusing My wife was very overwhelmed because we were a very high-risk pregnancy. My wife's a diabetic, and there were other factors involved. So I took, gladly, hold of the registry. Um, I wanted to learn everything I could about all of the things that we would need when the baby came. And, I mean, I took this to another level. It seems that many moms out there have these brilliant Excel spreadsheets that compile all of the best items on the market... So when I learned about this, I stopped every pregnant lady or any lady walking with the stroller, and I got my hands on those sheets. Did I cross-reference them to get the ultimate registry list? I just wanted to be involved in any way I could because the world didn't really allow me many options, except for catering to my wife, who really didn't demand very much. And when the day came... Uh, It was a very difficult labor. Um, My wife was rushed to surgery afterwards, and the baby was um, ripped away and taken to the NICU. And, um, you know, that powerlessness just continued as a theme. And when the baby came home, and, and I did feel a connection in the NICU. I demanded at one point when my wife wasn't able to come to the room because she was recovering from surgery, the our our son would not stop crying. I I took off my shirt and I demanded that we do some skin to skin, which the nurses kind of laughed at. But uh, it became a very uh, beautiful moment for us. He calmed immediately. And I felt like there was a very strong connection there. But when we got home, he didn't want anyone but his mom, you know, The first few weeks or longer, as many of you know who have children, and if you don't, you'll find out the baby's eyes barely open, and they smell the mom. They were inside the mom for nine months. They they know the mom's voice. I'm sure that the baby knew my voice as well. I'm not a quiet person, but 
But there was this connection there that I couldn't compete with. It would take me hours to calm him down. But yet, the second my wife touched him, he was cool. I don't know if that ever goes away. But um, I just felt like I was working so hard. And I, I didn't feel like I was allowed to be frustrated. Because I finally got this gift that I had wanted for so long. And I didn't allow myself um, a break or a chance to feel frustrated, which was wrong. Because we're all allowed to feel our feelings. But it, it's also hard as a, a father and man realizing that no one asked me how I was doing. That wasn't in the picture. It was, uh, and, and justifiably, my wife had gone through um, the pregnancy and the birth and, um, and the strenuous labor. And so people wanted to know how she was doing. She was breastfeeding. That's strenuous in itself and exhausting. Um, people wanted to meet the baby. And I was just kind of there. Uh, I decided to take paternity leave with my wife. And uh, that's something that, you know, I'll talk about in later episodes. But, but I wanted to be a part of this process desperately. And I just felt like an extra set of hands that wasn't really that useful. Um, so there were things I did to insert myself in the situation, um, like insisting on doing the night feeds so my wife could sleep, but also so I could have some time to bond with the baby. Uh, and he didn't reject me because he was asleep, basically, during the feeds. But uh, it gave us time. It gave me time to connect with him in the you know, very early weeks. And I ended up doing bedtime for the first few months um, every night of his life. And then basically my, my mother-in-law and father-in-law came to help us as we adjusted back to work after, you know, a few month maternity and paternity leave. And uh, I had completely taken myself out of the professional world in mind and really in spirit. And my mother-in-law arrived and very shortly after got double pneumonia in both lungs. And my wife had gone back to work and I, had, I was working for myself and I had a bit more freedom. So I stepped up, but it, I was terrified because I didn't um, really have full ownership over the situation with my son since he was born. I mean, he basically ate and slept, ate, slept, pooped. And so there was no real bonding necessarily, but also I felt like I don't have boobs and I know how to handle them at night, but being all alone uh, with feeding and all day and entertaining him, I, I didn't know how to do it. But um, after one day, that changed the having the ownership on me um, and forcing me to step up and create a feeding schedule and creating an app schedule um, and really owning uh, my decisions just created this new experience for me where by owning it and having all the weight on me, I thrived and we thrived. Uh, I felt I felt this bonding. I felt this getting closer. And for the first time in over five years, I, I felt true joy 
and I felt like myself again. The week turned into a month as my mother-in-law tried to recover, but it was not an easy process for her. And when she finally did, they were staying for three months, so one month had passed, and I decided that I wanted to be with him for the first year of his life. And it was a big decision, and it meant making some sacrifices and moving to single income. And my wife and I talked about it, and she... Um, saw how much I was thriving and she thought it was a wonderful idea. So I spent the next, you know, two months closing up work stuff and, um, and preparing to take time off. And to be clear, it was by no means a break. It was the hardest work I've ever done. It was exhausting. It was often quite lonely because there's not really a support network for dads, like there is for moms. That's not an extremely welcoming world for dads. But that being said, it was the most rewarding work I've ever done in my life. And that year ended just a few months back, and I am now in the process of figuring out how to wrap my head around this new journey back into the work world. It is confusing, and I often feel torn between two masters, and my priorities have been thrown upside down. But I will say that I have a very strong bond with my son. My wife has a very strong bond with our son. Um, I do think that hers was very natural, and mine was formed, but I feel like they're equally strong. And I feel, I feel like I'm a really good dad. And I feel stronger than I've ever felt before. Because there was a time period when I got very depressed during that, that four plus year gap when we were trying to get pregnant. And I, um, I heard this mantra. The mantra was, um, I am enough without my career, without a baby, with, you know without my partner. And the the concept was just I'm enough. But I I couldn't say it. Um I I couldn't feel or live that mantra. I wasn't enough without my career. I hid behind it for most of my young adult life and feeling like that's what made me worthy. And uh I wasn't enough without a baby. I, I felt like my life was all leading up to wanting to become a dad, to share in their joys, to empower them to be brave and kind, to travel alongside them on the journey of ups and downs and, and find somewhere to put all this love that I had in my heart and had longed since forever to place in another. And without it, what was the point of my life? Um, and through that year, ironically, it took having the baby and realizing that the problems didn't go away just because the baby was born. 
my son was a welcomed addition to the family, and yet none of the internal stuff changed. I was just as broken after the baby came as I was before. But I, I, I will say that this year made me feel stronger than ever before and able to say that I am enough. The skills that I remembered that I had through kind of watching myself with my son made me realize that I was enough before I ever had my son, and I am enough now. I'm enough without my partner, without my career, without my baby, but I'm better with them. And that is uh, one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned. And I also feel like it's all messy. (laughs) The personal is just as messy as the professional, and that doesn't mean that it's wrong. I think that embracing the messy helped me to let go a little and get on the roller coaster and enjoy the ride a bit more. And, and I feel like it's been one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life to date, but it has been so much work and there has not been an intense amount of support because there, this is not a world that's made for stay at home dads. Um, I will go to the market with my son and people will say, Oh, that's so cute. You have your baby today. And it's just, you're not a super dad because you're hanging out with your kid. You're just a dad. You know, we're not a society of Mr. Moms anymore. We're equal parents. And I think it's time that the worldview changed. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to create a podcast about a dad I'd like to friend. Uh, you know, I went to a lot of classes and the women avoided me like the plague. It's like a mom's club out there. I think there are a few resources out there for men, but there's still a fight against paternity leave, and there's still a lot of negative talk about dads, about them not being able to handle as much as moms, and I want to talk about that and be not only a voice for dads, but a true and honest perspective, not only that dads can relate to, but that can empower moms to uh, understand the dad perspective, which is different, you know, and not often vocalized. And I want to be able to explore work-life balance and also how to reignite passion in work life with a young kid that demands so much energy. How do you get excited about work knowing that you're going to be away from your child? And I think that relates to both men and women. How to keep romance alive with a co-parent once, you know, it feels more like business partners than lovers. I feel, again, that relates to both men and women. And all the other pieces of shrapnel that get thrown in the way on our road to each of our happily ever afters. So that's a little more about me. That's a little more about what I hope this podcast will delve into. And I thank you for your time. I hope to continue on this journey with you and hopefully talk with some of you in the very near future. Thank you so much.